Hello and welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual, so here's your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex. And I'll start by asking, what is new to you, Alex? I've been playing Destiny 2. How is it? Um, it's really tight. So, like, there were some things that didn't work with the first one. I only played the, the vanilla game for the first one. I didn't get any of the expansions because I just kind of, I didn't have anybody to play with in it. It just mm -hmm. didn't have longevity for me. Um, but, like, the slowness of it and, like, yeah, they just really tightened things up. And then story-wise, it's, like, ten times better. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really, <laughs> I did not get into the first one. Um, it's not really my speed, uh, pr basically, but um, Dylan played a little uh, when it was new, and it just didn't really catch his interest at that time. I understand yeah. that it really, like, changed a lot since it was first yeah, released. Well, yeah, yeah, one of the expansions, they basically, like, revamped the story. Just overhauled so. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I just remember, like, being really disappointed with Peter Dinklage's voiceover work. <laughs> See, that was something that so many people had issues with. It didn't bother me too much. I think it was so bothersome because there were, like, basically no other characters. Yeah, well, and I think part of it, because I think they they updated it slightly after the point at which we played it. Because um, mm -hmm. at the time, it didn't have any, like, robotic effects, like computer voice oh, on him. And so it yeah. just sounded mm -hmm. like he was just reading his lines in a really flat way. <laughs> I heard uh, an updated version of it where they put, like, computer voice on him. And then I was like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, that works a lot better. Now I get yeah. it. Uh, mm -hmm. But there's a side-by-side -side comparison of those <laughs> lines being performed by Peter Dinklage and then an, a whole other um, version of it recorded by Nolan North. Um, oh, yeah, he's, I don't know the he's, he, he's they, they redid the whole game with yeah, him Yeah, with Nolan North. And I gotta yeah. say, like, I, I mean, it's it's a mixed bag, but I I think I prefer Nolan. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think that's 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 a consensus across the board. Uh, it's a shame. Also, it, it's a it's a bit of a shame, but they they just miscast. Um, yeah. Peter Dinklage because they have a lot of Game of Thrones alumni. Um, well, maybe not a lot, but a few in 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 Destiny too, and I think probably in Destiny as well. Um, and really? they're cast they're cast better. You know, they're they play humans or they play. Yeah. Well, even like, even like, um, what's his name who plays Cade Six? Um, he, his character's a robot or is sort of like a robotic humanoid, and he they didn't do any sort of effects, but it sort of works with that level of like robot who is character. It? Um, Firefly. Oh, oh, right. It's uh, Nathan Fillion. I saw him on the Nathan trailer, Fillion. and I was like, "What's going on here?" Yep. <laughs> and then also, um, the the lady from Firefly. Oh, um. Uh, do you mean Gina Torres? Uh, yes, I, I believe she is. I, I better double check that, but I think she's um the other main character in Destiny Two. Gina Torres is a queen. <laughs> she's yeah, so and then good. yeah, so they just they did a really good job uh, this time around. It's this I, the story. I just beat the story last night at like one in the morning, um, <laughs> but like. 
The only disappointment was they started to go there with the villain, like, to make him complicated. Uh-huh. And then, and then they just sort of gave up and made a boss fight, you know? Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Like but, they just I didn't mean, know how else to end it? Something like that. Yeah, it is Gina Torres, yep. She's so good. And her character really surprised me in the game, too. Her She plays Ikora, the sort of warlock um, that you learn from. Uh, but yeah, she's great. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've heard that it's good. Like, it looked really, really good. I don't doubt that at some point Dylan's gonna jump on that one, but he has not yet. There's a lot of great voice actors in here. There's, let's see, we've got John DiMaggio, we've got um, Great Lyle. Yeah, there's lots of cool, cool people. Yeah, that goes such a long way, too, to have, mm-hmm. like, really quality voice acting in a game. Actually, Dylan and I were just talking about that earlier. He's playing Oxenfree right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that one. I've, he- I've heard of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, for folks listening, it's this indie game. Um, it's sort of an adventure puzzle game. Uh, it's an indie game where it's like this group of teenagers who've gone out to party on this island um, off the coast of Washington State, and then crazy haunting stuff starts happening. And you, it's it's a little bit Stranger Things, a little bit like, you know, that sort of like retro kids are in this dire situation and they got to work together, Goonies-ish, but a little spookier. And uh, it's really, really great. And I the... watched a playthrough of most of it. I don't think I spoiled the ending of the playthrough that I watched, but it's like really not dumbed down, dumbed down in any way. No, it's really thoughtful and cool. Um, and I was just gonna say because the writing and the voice acting are both really great. Like it's this group of teenagers, um, and so there's a lot of chatting going on, and they like you know trying to figure out what's happening. Lots of conversation. Like, most of the game, you're, like, wandering around and they're just talking to each other while you're, like, doing stuff. And mm-hmm. it's so good. Like, the voice actors are great and the writing is so natural. It, it really draws you into the story. It's really pretty, too. Pretty game. Yeah, the art is really cool. Yeah, it's it got a lot of interesting concepts. It's a, it's a really good game. He's actually playing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Left him doing that. So that's pretty much what you've been up to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, basically that and then little, you know, normal things here and there. What about you? <laughs> Just, um, well, last weekend was Labor Day weekend, which was great to have three days. And uh, on Sunday, spur of the moment, Will, Dylan, and I decided to drive up to Seaside. And oh, yeah, that I saw the was, pictures. It was so fun, and Will did a... <laughs> jump off of this wall in the sand. <laughs> oh, There's yeah. I saw the video. <laughs> he, he Doing just, his little temple he, trick. He, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like a purposeful fall sort of thing. Yeah, no, he, like, wanted to jump off. And I was like, don't. He's like, I'm gonna. And I was like, oh, fine, I'm gonna film it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I would not let him jump off the higher wall, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it was fun, though. Um, God, it... it the traffic was terrible though because to go out you know west that way like you have to take sort of back roads and little highways and stuff and Mm -hmm. 
Clearly, everyone had the same weekend plans that we did. It took, a, like, getting close to Seaside this on this one little stretch of highway. It took us probably 45 minutes to go, like, mm, 10 miles, maybe. Wow. So, <laughs> like, it was, it was a crawl. It was really... And then we thought, because we just drove... Uh, up there in the afternoon and hung out in that late afternoon and evening and then drove home at night and it w the traffic was just as bad leaving yeah. it was in and we were it was like 11 at night so yeah because <laughs> it, well, it was it was it was just that that weekend where it was labor day weekend so everybody was going on doing stuff and then also people were wanting to get away from the city areas because of the smoke yeah it was a lot less smoky out there Mm -hmm. out by the coast but it was still really really fun um there's a great yeah. arcade in seaside and we hung out there oh yeah oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was fun and uh you know run around on the on the beach it was so crowded i can imagine last yeah. seaside is definitely the tourist beach destination in or in the, on the oregon washington area coast you know? yeah i mean especially like in in northern oregon like that's the place to go i'd say in washington yeah. it might be long beach but yeah. um Th those are definitely the places you go when you want like the surrounding like the the businesses around the beach experience whereas if you want like a scenic experience go to a different one <laughs> yeah go to like lincoln city or something that one's a good we oh, thought yeah. about going mm -hmm. to lincoln city but then we were like well we don't really want to just like walk on the beach like we want to do like touristy <laughs> stuff so let's go to yeah, seaside yeah. Uh, yeah. but crazy thing happened okay so um we decided just you know we got there we just found a, a street near the sort of like town area to park and just yeah. you know mm -hmm. we just left our car there all day um and we just walked around and then when we came back at night we were like is that our car doing that there was this very faint car alarm and we realized our f headlights were flashing really dimly and we were like uh oh what happened it seemed like our car alarm had been going off for so long that the battery was dying whoa that's not supposed to happen right no it's supposed to, it's supposed to, stop it's supposed to shut right? itself off <laughs> yeah it was like <laughs> and like the you could barely see the bulbs like if it hadn't been dark out you wouldn't have even be, been able to Whoa. see the headlights flashing and we were like oh no and of course it's a prius and so like the doors are just electric lock like there's no key lock and yeah. we were like oh no and like we almost couldn't get the car unlocked oh no and then we tried to start it it absolutely wouldn't start like that pooped it out like unlocking the yeah. car door oh, completely goodness. drained the rest of the battery we were like it's 9.30 at night and we're in Seaside. What are we going to do? <laughs> oh, no. And, like, we were parked really close to two different hotels. And I was like, maybe they have jumper cables. And I walked over. Both of them could not help us. I'm like, oh, you're whoa. a hotel. Why don't you have jumper cables? Like, I've yeah. had a car battery die. I was actually when we were at Great Wolf Lodge because mm -hmm. Will left the lights on. Um, and they just <laughs> had a truck, like a like a sort of a maintenance truck yeah mm -hmm. and they just drove it out to us and jumped us and we were on our way mm -hmm. um but neither of these hotels had jumper cables and we we're like what like people don't leave their lights on at hotels what are you talking mm -hmm. about um 
but so we were parked on a residential street so i just started knocking on people's doors that seemed like they were still up and like asking if they could give us a jump and thankfully i found this very nice russian family their kids were watching hotel transylvania in the front (laughs) front front room and uh Mm -hmm. they had one of those little like battery jumper things that's like just Mm -hmm. a little like battery that had that connects to your car battery and Mm -hmm jumps it and they came out and started it for us and they're angels and thank you to you two gentlemen who i'll never see again (laughs) you saved (laughs) us so that was really weird like i've never had that like how did that even happen i don't know and it like our car looked fine like it didn't look like someone had like hit and run us or anything like i don't know why the alarm would have been going off or why it would have gone off for hours yeah It I'm wondering insane. if maybe just because it was busy, people, too many people were walking by and it got, it got But scared. it wasn't. Like, it was this little residential side street, like, blocks Weird. and blocks away from the town area. Mm. I could not tell you what happened. Like, it was a very quiet street. It was the weirdest thing. And I feel bad. Like, was our car alarm just going off by these people's homes just all day? <laughs> that would be, that would be awful. <laughs> yeah. The funny, I mean, like, I knocked on people's doors right by there, and, like, nobody said anything. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was the weirdest thing. Very it was kind of freaky. But all was well, and we had a fun day. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Well, I guess speaking of Gina Torres. Yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, That's sort of- somehow is connected to our topic absolutely i kind of wanted to say something and i was like no save it (laughs) i I completely forgot until i was just looking at the cast right now i'm like oh wait (laughs) so if our listeners hadn't guessed yet we're finally talking about hannibal (laughs) and i'm so happy (laughs) i'm so so All right, so obviously I have a lot to say. So first, I want to open it up to you and just hear what your thoughts were now that you've finished the series. Okay, so I've definitely, like, talked about it with, like, coworkers and stuff and, like, given sort of recommendations based on how I felt, um, mostly before I finished the series. So it's very difficult to finish the series if you stop at the wrong spot. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> because I because I stopped halfway through the second season or the third season and that there's like an actual like they get a serious break. break there. Yeah. Um and also like the second half of the third season is like so the first half is very visual. Yeah. And the second half is very psychological. It's very cerebral, yes. Um, Not that the first half isn't, because it it always is, but, like, the first half is so heavy on symbols that you just get lost. It's like a painting. Yes. Um, And it even references visual art constantly. Yeah, it takes place in Florence, and this is where Elector, like, learned to paint and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the the second half is back home in, in the States, and it's like... Oh my goodness, like... They've finally even... gotten around to what the book is actually about. Right? <laughs> and, like... I was just so impressed by... Um, oh, I'm so bad with names. Oh, Richard Armisen? Yeah. Armitage? Friggin' 
arm yeah that's it yeah Yeah. i'm kind of ashamed of myself for saying that name wrong like i'm a huge armitage fan and i don't know why yes he 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 was like unlike uh, any role i've ever seen him it's unreal it's scary and sexy and like bizarre bizarre and like from one moment to the next you have no idea what's gonna happen well and just a little note i, I want you to continue i i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to jump on you just yet but like this is a character who's like he he's he's very insane like he's not well he's mentally yeah. very very ill and most of that is portrayed while he's alone and mm-hmm. that's so unusual and really effective Mm-hmm. Well, because he is very good at either pretending to 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 not uh, appear to. Well, it also depends. Like he finds somebody who is either not looking for those warning signs, or is sort of trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And so. Like, when he's doing stuff that's kind of scary and shady, she's like, you know, maybe he's just a little, like, He's just damaged. troubled. Like, yeah. he's just... Like, yeah, she... So... And, and I, I get her doing that, because she's, you know, got her own stuff. And she's exactly, like, I, exactly. I don't... I, I want to give you the fair shake that I want everyone to give me. Yeah, and you... you for, for the briefest of moments, you're like, oh, she's going to turn them around, they're going to be happy. And it's like, <laughs> obviously not. But, like, you know, she 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 she's so, like, wonderful that you're like, oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, he's... Yeah, he just... He, he, can, he can really hide it. I've never it. seen anything like his performance. Uh, what are your thoughts on sort of the series as a whole? As a whole, I thought it... It did a really good job of hooking you with the villain of the week in the first season. Yeah. Um, which was super creative, and you got to see all the like dark, twisted stuff they could imagine. <laughs> There's some really twisted stuff. Um, and then season two was like just a wild ride. It was <laughs> basically it's you know one long. I mean, the whole thing's one long story, but it was so focused. Well, yeah, because it begins with the ending. It's one of those that's like, how did we arrive yeah. here? Yeah. And it, and like, it of course, it works. completely sub- subverts, like, any inklings you may have thought of how that ending would get there. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so good. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. And then the third season is just like, I honestly, I could have done without the first half. Fair. That was probably, that was probably my least favorite of all of the seasons is that first chunk of the season three um but again i think that's mainly because we meet some characters that we don't necessarily need or care about and yeah and i think that's it's that's an interesting thing to bring up because like characters like um i assume you're mostly thinking of chio yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah she's a she's an odd figure because in the books there's this figure, um, Lady Murakami, something like that, who's mm-hmm. sort of like Hannibal's aunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she has like a handmaiden type girl named Chio. And the show just sort of wrapped both of those characters up into Chio. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was sort of, I mean, like, it's weird. 
season three was simultaneously the most sort of about what the book is it like has the most of the book in it but also it's like the furthest away from what the book is about <laughs> which is is a smart thing to do because they want to sort of reinvent the 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 you know the world a bit you know which is oh. what which is what the, the the sort of like initial uh idea of the whole series is is like let's sort of flip it around a little bit yeah it's and very so, flipped around oh yeah and then, <laughs> but, but but when they actually tackle the subjects of the book it's like of course it's gonna be really different because that's the, the goal all along yeah i um so obviously a big topic that you and i both will want to talk about is queerness in hannibal Yes. Because mm -hmm. that's some really interesting stuff going on. Like, by the end, like, everyone, <laughs> everyone is gay. Yes. <laughs> Either, yep. like, gay or unpaired. Like, the, the main heterosexual <laughs> relationship of the series, Jack and his beautiful wife, you know, she's passed away, Bella, and, uh, you know, now... Uh, why can't I think of her name? Alana is now in a lesbian relationship and uh mm -hmm. like we've got the absolute gayness yep. with will and hannibal and <laughs> and then uh we've got now it's sort of peripherally but still important to me um jimmy price uh scott thompson's character the um, forensic specialist who is coded extremely gay because he's played by scott thompson and then of course um Less so in the third season, for obvious reasons. Uh, Eddie Izzard. Oh, I miss Eddie. Uh, as Gideon. Yes, Dr. Gideon. Strangely enough, I mean, you know, uh, Eddie Izzard absolutely could be um, sort of stuck under the queer umbrella, but the character is ostensibly a heterosexual, cisgendered man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but Eddie is... Eddie is um, Eddie. <laughs> Eddie is Eddie, and Eddie... I believe I don't I don't know enough about Eddie, but I know that um, queer and trans are definitely in sort of the right ballpark there. Yeah, he he's said some stuff. I, I can't quite recall um, exactly what he's said. He does sort of identify as transgender, but he's got his own sort of spin on it. <laughs> well, yeah, and and well, because he sort of came up much earlier yes. than most of like the current stuff so it's like trans wasn't even the right Th that wasn't word a thing then. so yeah yeah it, it was it, so it's just yeah. he's got his own experience <laughs> of it but he's yeah. definitely his mm -hmm. gender isn't um heteronormative that's for sure yes <laughs> mm -hmm. i'm trying i'm on his on his wikipedia page and i w wish it would say yeah i believe i read some but... interview with him where he did say something about um, feeling like he is trans, but he's not necessarily, he doesn't feel the need to use, like, any other pronouns or anything, but, um... Okay, so, uh, Wikipedia quotes him saying he identifies as a straight transvestite or a male lesbian. That was what he had previously said on the subject. Okay. Um, but more recently I've read some stuff with him, and, you know, obviously people's identities change and develop over time. Yeah. And then a little after that it says, lesbian trapped in a man's body, and then on the subject of transgender, uh, a complete boy plus half girl. <laughs> yes, I love that. Complete boy plus half girl. <laughs> it's very cute. 
Well, and then there's a, an image uh, at a at a p- political rally, and he's in like a a nice uh, like blazer with a short little hairdo and like a nice scarf. So he's just he he likes to, you know, he he's himself. Yeah, he embraces his masculinity and his femininity, and he just yeah. kills it all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. Um. So speaking of queerness in Hannibal, um, I, so I've been sort of looking around and seeing what other people's thoughts have been on sort of the relationship between Hannibal and Will and how that developed and where it seemed like it was going and where it went. And um, I gotta say, like there are plenty of people who are like, um, you know, no shade to the Tumblr shippers, but. But, but, um, first of all, like, on the table, I believe I've said this before on the show, but Brian Fuller has explicitly stated that Hannibal Lecter and Will Graham are in love with each other. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that, I mean, because the relationship doesn't unfold like a traditional romance, obviously, but, like, well yeah. <laughs> before season three, when they were really dropping it in there hard because um, man season three is where it just gets as gay as it gets literally literally every every character remarks on their relationship yeah, it's like not, as love yeah y'all are murder husbands <laughs> right i love that term murder mm-hmm. husbands but uh <laughs> but like i i gotta say in season two there is a scene um it's after will has been released and mm-hmm it's, I believe it's in the scene when he and Hannibal are, like, burning Hannibal's records before the mm-hmm. whole thing goes down. And Hannibal compares the two of them to Achilles and Patroclus from the Iliad. Mm-hmm. And that's super-duper mm-hmm. telling to me because in the Iliad, in Homer, um, the two are not... Uh, referred to as being lovers in any way, like they're I yeah. know, cousins or mm-hmm. something like that. Isn't that always the cover? But uh, <laughs> no, they're cousins. Very Sailor Moon of uh, Homer. <laughs> but uh, both Plato and Aeschylus uh, portrayed Achilles and Patroclus as being lovers. Mm-hmm. And Han- and like Hannibal knows that. <laughs> like, well, yeah, Hannibal knows that. Like, it's a very pointed well, yeah, analogy. You, you wouldn't say that and only be talking about one version of the story. Yeah, not Hannibal. Especially, su- <laughs> especially such a story that's been retold, like, more times since that first telling. And I think that um, Brian Fuller's handling of queerness in the show is also very telling. Uh, because, like, with a figure such as mason verger uh oh mason verger um okay so he's got (laughs) his sister um margo who Mm -hmm. is a lesbian um and she is a lesbian Mm -hmm. in the books and all of that like she's always been a queer character but Mm -hmm. i am pretty sure that uh in previous incarnations mason verger is gay Mm -hmm. um and in Brian Fuller's version of the story, he doesn't seem to be. Instead, he's got this sort of incest vibe going on with Margot. Yeah. 
Um, Because, like, I I remember in the much less good movie, Hannibal, uh, when Clarice is talking to Mason Verger about what happened, um, he says something about, like, going over to Hannibal's house thinking they were going to hook up, and then Hannibal gave him some, like, psychedelic drugs and made him cut his face off and feed it to dogs. Um, so, you know, a version mm-hmm. <laughs> of what happened in the show. But, like, he went over to Hannibal's house explicitly because he thought they were going to hook up. And instead, yeah. he's Brian Fuller's changed his character from being queer to being just, like, creepy. <laughs> Which yeah. I think is important. Um, I actually recently read a Cracked article on how, um, like, historically villains have often been coded as gay, but now they're just incestuous instead. Like, that's the sort Mm -hmm. of deviant behavior that we have chosen to replace queerness since we don't want to portray villains as queer anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I saw that in Mason (laughs) Verger. Very interesting. Well, was he as as villainous in the book? Or in the Uh, the movie? Well, I think... God. You know, I'm not... Or was he more of a victim? Oh, he's a bad person. I don't... Like, I I, I haven't read (laughs) the books. Um... So I'm not sure how Mason Verger's whole story goes. He doesn't uh, die like he <laughs> does yeah. in the show. So that was interesting. Well, but but the audience... Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Um, I, 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 I do want to... I, I have some questions about that, which I want to get around to eventually. But, uh, yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know. But, I mean, Thomas Harris, the, the author of this book series, definitely used that. And he was writing in, like, the 70s. So culturally, yeah. I guess, reasonable. <laughs> That's what was being done at the time. <laughs> but, you know, with Buffalo yeah. Bill being very queer-coded and, you know, just all of that stuff. Like, that that was very much the thing. And now it's very not. And Brian Fuller specifically yeah. chose to move away from it because he wanted his queer yeah, characters and... to be sympathetic. So, well, sympathetic and I, I feel like he could have done it where Verger was gay and still being weirdly incestuous, <laughs> but then... I mean, he was it, definitely it effeminate. I feel like it would have been... And he was definitely, but I don't know, it would have, I think it just would have been uh, too much going on. We wouldn't understand his character very well. It clears things up if it's just like, nah, he's just a creepy boy. <laughs> he's yeah. a creepy boy and I hate him and he's the rudest, awfulest of man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How did you <laughs> feel about the um, actor replacement? I thought it was it was almost seamless. Yeah, honestly, oddly enough, like going back, it's like, oh, that's obviously a different man. But with the first time I watched it, took it me, I did it took not. Me, it took me. Let me see. Like, I didn't think I noticed it until a couple episodes. In. Yeah, I, I totally didn't pick up on it, and then I was like, oh wait, his voice is completely different. That's one funny thing. Like, I loved his performance. I actually really preferred the second actor. Um, but where did he get that weird accent that Margot super doesn't have? <laughs> I don't know. He kind of talks like Bane it... in in the Dark Knight oh, Rises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bane voice, pre-game. which I think he probably he he didn't have a lot to go off of because uh, the previous actor only had a few short scenes in the prosthesis. Yeah, 
but like so you can't really he had that you know, almost like go off Georgia thing going on with his like soft R's. I don't know what he was doing. I liked it. Oh, but... and and just the, it, the sort of the cadence was like, oh yes, <laughs> Doctor Lecter. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, he's great. He's he's the he's the man you and that the show really needed that character that you love to hate because it makes it easier to root mm-hmm. for Hannibal when you're like this guy's way worse than Hannibal. Like maybe Hannibal is a murderer who eats people, but at least he's not as bad as this guy. At least he has taste. <laughs> he's not just despicable and awful and hateful. Oh, he's bad. But I'm so glad I'm so glad they they split the the third season because I did get very tired of Mason. And we want I don't know, I wanted but the time jump was a little You got a 3-year time. Well, yeah, there's like two sort of things. There's like a there's like a first half and a second half and there's a little interlude between them with the Muskrat Farm stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cuz there's there's like And we're in Florence and then we're on Muskrat Muskrat Farms. And then three-year time jump, now we're doing the Tooth Fairy thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I... I mean, Will gets a wife. Yeah, Molly. She's great. And a, st- and a, and a stepson. But, like, you don't get... You don't understand, like... I didn't really care for her at all until the scene where the Tooth Fairy is at their house. Yeah, she's so good. And then you're like... Then you're like, oh, she knows what she's doing. Well, yeah, she's married <laughs> to an FBI dude. Like, she knows. She's good. She's great. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I believe her purpose was to sort of show what Will was fighting for in fighting against Hannibal. Like, that was the mm-hmm. life he wished he could have. And I thought that they had really sweet chemistry. Like, they're, they're, they only had a couple of scenes together, but I really liked their rapport. Uh, and so you could see, like, oh, man, like, it is tragic that Will Graham can't have this. Well, yeah, but then it's also up against the tragedy of him not having Hannibal. Yeah. So it's like... <laughs> and it, what, yeah, it's a, it's a it's real like, it's like It's like what, what, he's, what he thinks he wants... And what would be reasonable versus, to like, want. And what would be reasonable and what would be healthy versus what... what maybe his true self is. He, his true self is and, like... His becoming. What he has... <laughs> his becoming. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and ultimately, like, I think the, it's you're, you're meant wanting him to be happy, but you're not sure exactly... Like, what that means? What that what what that means, and like what the healthy version of yeah, that is? Well, and and that's so interesting because especially in this season with his conversations with Bedelia and with Hannibal, they're both sort of like like what is like everything is relative. You yeah. know, she mm-hmm. she even says something about like uh, murder and cannibalism are reasonable to murderers and cannibals and (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like yeah i guess so i don't know bedelia you're really messed up too i think (laughs) i love her a lot one one of the scenes that i thought was really hard to watch but also really well done and homoerotic (laughs) all good things (laughs) was um when uh Dollarhide had Chilton. Ooh, I love it. 
it's so <laughs> icky. Yeah, he's so scary. It's, it's like, it's like horrifying and sexy. Because he's in that robe, and, and you know he's naked. He's in the robe, and then just, and, and then, and yeah, and he's he's got the like the pantyhose on his face. Yeah. Um. Ooh. And then Ooh. like. And Chilton's naked and glued to the glued seat, which to is the, horrible. The wheelchair glued. Yeah. Ew. Ew. Uh, and I really did not love that character. Well, I mean, you're not really supposed to like uh, Chilton, oh, I have but like on Chilton. His, his performance of that scene was incredible because normally in in shows and TV, when somebody's waking up from like some sort of being knocked out or chemically induced knockout or mm-hmm. something like that. They're, like, immediately aware, but he is so he's out of it. He's disoriented and, he and terrified. So... He's like, something horrible has happened, and I don't know he's anything like, else. He's like, why is my skin... He's, like, my he's like back barely hurts. waking up, and he's like, why is why is my back hurt? My skin feels like it's on fire. Yeah. And then you're just like, oh my goodness. He's, like, realizing. And then he's like... And, and I think his reaction to that in that scene is, like, what most of us would do. is like, you're... I, I'm terrified. Please don't hurt uh, me, You're you know? amazing. He's, like, groveling. Uh, I mean, because he, well, cause he like, knows his stuff. Like, sure he, as as crappy yeah, as sure. Chilton is, like, he does oh, know yeah. his psychiatry, and he's trying to flatter and, this guy. Oh, yeah, and, and sure, he's, like, a total coward throughout the series, <laughs> but you're, like, in this in this instant, you're, like, be a coward, be a coward. Chilton is this show's punching bag. Let's count the things that happen to Chilton. He gets disemboweled by Eddie Izzard. He gets shot in the face. And then he gets set, he gets his lips bit off and set on fire and rolled down a hill. Kill, oh, Chilton cannot catch a break. Right? Oh, and, but he's get, he, he gets skin grafts. Yeah, I guess so, man. Oh, but, th- but that... In that that sort of final scene with him, you almost get a little hint that he is like, I'm done with this. I'm going to, like, start killing people or something like that. Well, that's the interesting... Because he's like, it's other people's skin. Yeah, I um, I thought... I have a couple of things to say about that. Firstly, um, there's a great line, actually, from Alana in that scene where she says, um, you were never comfortable in your own skin, Frederick. Yeah. Do you think mm-hmm. he would be comfortable in Hannibal's skin? Because he's saying he wants a skin graft yeah. from Hannibal. Um, and I love uh-huh. that because you notice throughout the whole series, um, before the whole reveal of who the Chesapeake Ripper is, he's trying to emulate Hannibal all the time. Like, he's fucking, like, dollar store knockoff Hannibal. Dressing he's like tr- him. He tries and, to be yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Like, he wants to be Hannibal oh, yeah. so badly. And, like, to the point oh, where yeah. he mm-hmm. wants to wear Hannibal's skin. Like, that's weird. And a little bit Buffalo Bill, right? But, <laughs> mm-hmm. um... Well, and also, like, in, I believe it's the end of season two when Hannibal frames him. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, in, he's, at, like, at first, before it gets bloody, he's, like, sure, let's do it. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. Just, he, I think he, I, he's obviously in love with Hannibal as well. He's just, he, he's obsessed. He, I mean, he just wants, he thinks he's the coolest guy, like, ever. He wishes so hard he could be him. He's, ex- he's everything that mm-hmm. he ever wanted to be. And that's why it was so easy to frame him. Um, but Raul Esparza, <laughs> so he's the actor who plays him. He's so good. Um, he's actually a Broadway guy, um, best known for his play uh, portrayal of Bobby in Company. But mm-hmm. the, I, the, another thought that I had was, okay, so 
it's kind of time a little bit timely that we're talking about this now because um recently there have been some more sort of concrete inklings out there that brian fuller is in fact bringing hannibal back for real uh at some point ever uh, like it's 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 in the works it's gonna happen maybe it'll be a couple years <laughs> but he had talked previously about wanting to do silence of the lambs he just couldn't get the rights for it yet but i'm thinking how like we are not remotely in a place where you could lead up to the silence of the lambs like hannibal lecter is free he's in a gay murder husband relationship with <laughs> will graham uh chilton has been burned alive and mason verger is dead like <laughs> these are like these are all very significant things <laughs> to the possibility of doing silence of the lambs so i'm not sure what he's got in mind um yeah but, but i mean they've, they've always done like the whole you know flipping the script you know so if anyone can do it brian fuller can do it yeah i'm just reeling with the thought of how to even awry there because like Hannibal Lecter's role in Silence of the Lambs is to be the scary man in the box like yeah but he already got he's, that he's yeah he did so I feel like uh, I feel he, like if they're was... gonna do something they're gonna really change well, it up because he's he basically already had that role but he did that in Red Dragon in the book okay too like basically he's locked up and Will Graham does the Clarice Starling before Clarice Starling mm -hmm. They only talk to each other, like, three times in the book, mm -hmm. is my understanding. But, um, yeah, he's, like, locked up the whole time. So I'm not sure how, like, if and how they're gonna well, get Well, I there. think they might change the perspective of the show. And I don't think it'll be focusing on Will. Because, yeah. because... I know that Hugh Dancy is, like, involved. Well, obviously he's involved, but, like, I feel like... Because I'm reading on the Wikipedia article that uh, Fuller wants Ellen Page as Clarice. Yeah. And I just want Ellen Page to be, like, the lead in something really badly, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think she's a great choice for Clarice Starling. Like, if someone was going to play her, I'd love to see Yeah. Ellen Page in that role. But yeah, I guess I'm just so curious what Brian Fuller's plans are for Hannibal. Because he's just mm -hmm. in such a different place that I... I, I can't even imagine where he's gonna go from I've, there. He, he he might like use some of the themes maybe of the of the movie, but like I think he might as well just go with it wherever he wants to go with it at this point. Yeah, like why that science of the lambs? Just keep going. Murder husbands, go. Yeah, I, <laughs> that should just I that should just it. be if they do the feature film, just call it murder husbands. Oh yes, and make it into like Let's a cheesy slasher. <laughs> <laughs> And they just make all sorts of yeah, like, sorts of puns whenever they kill somebody. Dad jokes. Yeah, or like <laughs> like Will's gone to the grocery store, he comes home and Hannibal's got like somebody laying bleeding out on the carpet and he's like, Hannibal <laughs> <laughs> And then You're cleaning this up. And then there's some sort of bringing home the bacon joke or <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh my god, the possibilities. <laughs> Uh, so... Or, like, Eve, Eve... Okay, this is really out there, but, like, imagine, like, Ellen Page is their, like, adopted daughter. Yes! Fucking new Abigail. Give me that. That would be awesome. Uh, speaking of Abigail, okay, so you know how season three pulls you that switcheroo where you think maybe Abigail's lived and then it turns out that that was just a hallucination and she was dead the whole time? Yeah. Um, 
there's such a tell, and I love it. Um, I noticed this great this show and its symbolism. <laughs> Darn it. Uh, she So through all of that Florence stuff where Abigail's hanging out with Will Graham, who's just crazy, she's wearing this jacket that looks like her old jacket, except it looks like it's covered in blood. Like, mm-hmm. it's got this weird red, shiny gradient going up from the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, duh, she's dead. Like, she's cu- she's wearing a blood coat. She's super <laughs> dead. And I loved that. Just these little touches. Well, and, and you get to see her in that coat and she doesn't, other times, she and it doesn't look like that. And she doesn't interact with anybody but him. Yeah, it's the whole sixth sense thing. <laughs> So I, I mentioned to you um, when we first got on that I went back and I rewatched the episodes that you just recently mm-hmm. watched so that we would sort of be on the same page. And those are sort of the – that's the most sort of meaty part of the show. I think it's sort of the most worth discussing is that last half of the third yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went through and I sort of took notes uh, about thoughts that I had yeah. on it, mm-hmm. and so I just kind of wanted to, to, to go down and sort of share them and see what you thought. Yeah, sure. Um, starting with episode 8, The Great Red Dragon, which is when um, he is introduced, and uh, God, I just want to say, like, firstly, like, that bit is so cool when uh, it's just a great effect when Will is um, going through the, the Jacoby's house, mm-hmm. like, looking at the murder scene, and, like, when he shines his flashlight over the places where they died, you can, like, see them, like, laying there dead on the floor, like, they're not really there, but when he sh- shines his flashlight, they, like, appear, yeah. and it's such a cool effect. <laughs> like, I love the ways that they visualize his processes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which yeah, it's which I'm glad cool. they didn't, I'm glad they didn't just go back to how they did it in previous seasons with, like, the vroom, vroom. Yeah, boom. they did a little bit of that <laughs> yeah. with the like light flashing like metronome thing. Yeah, but, but they didn't but much like, less. just directly because it, it gets a little tiresome to do the same thing. Sort of like in anime when they like do the whole transformation of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't go back and do the like I'm recreating the whole murder in my mind thing like they did you know in the first episode or whatever. I mean that was cool, but it could get tiresome. Um, and then the way that uh, Dollarhide smashes the mirrors, yeah, um, that really reminds that reminds me of. So there was a real life murderer. He was called the Axeman of New Orleans, I believe. Oh, and this was in like that's, the nineteen twenties. That's in um, um, my favorite murder. Uh, well, no, it was in um, uh, American <laughs> oh, Horror Story. Uh, American Coven. Horror Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was a real murderer. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, he was never caught, uh, but he was found to have, like, smashed or covered up mirrors in the houses where he killed people, uh-huh. which was really interesting. I mean, he stayed in the houses for days, which is crazy. Ugh. But, yeah, he, like, when, when you know, the police went in to, like, investigate, they found that, like, he had smashed or covered up all the mirrors in the houses, and that was just an interesting thing, uh, you know, sort of connection to a real-life murderer there, mm-hmm. a real thing. Um, and then at the end of that episode is the reunion uh, between Will and Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's like, I gotta go talk to Hannibal now. Like, I, if I'm gonna solve this crime, I have to go okay. back into that but he didn't, again. But he didn't try very hard without him. He was like, oh, well, better go talk to him. I can't. <laughs> but I know. He just wants to talk exactly. to him. He misses okay. him. We all know the truth. Oh, yeah. We know the truth. Uh, but, so, and I, I noticed something. Um, the music cue that plays when they see each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, 
I think I know what that is. I think I know that. And so I went online and people were like, what is the song that plays in that scene? I don't know. Is it this? Is it that? No, I don't know what it is. What it is, is the string part from the song that plays at the very end of the last episode. And that song is called Love Crime. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that seed was planted right there, super hard. Um, it's absolutely that string part. Like, I even went and I checked. Like, I, I listened to them side by side, yeah. and it, it definitely is mm. that song. It's a great song, um, but I, and I've listened to it a lot of times, which is how I recognized it. <laughs> but so I thought that was really great. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they, they love each other, man. Like, Will's fighting it, but they love each other. Um, and then... Episode 9 starts out with their conversation, their subsequent conversation, and Hannibal's saying all this stuff about, like, I gave you a child, your family. Like, they're, he's his husband, and they <laughs> love each other. They, they were gonna have a daughter together. They just need some couples therapy, and by that I mean someone to murder together. Yeah, <laughs> and it looks like it's Bedelia. Uh... <laughs> And that's the ep the same episode is when the term murder husbands gets dropped. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, oh, great thing I noticed. I don't know why this really stuck out to me this time. I didn't, every time I watch this show, there's something, I, I notice new things. It's crazy how full of things this show is. Brian Fuller's a genius. Um, in the scene where Reba is sitting at the bus stop and then Francis pulls up mm -hmm. and like gives her a ride home, the ad the big oh that one was so blatant ad. so blatant. i don't know why i never saw it. it's a big mouth i it's like a <laughs> dentist ad and i never ever it's ad and it's it the tooth fairy <laughs> it, well and it, this show is full of mouths oh, especially yeah. these couple episodes here like mouths are a big thing dollarhead has his like teeth that he bites people with and, and he bites off, lots of mouths uh, chilton's mouth with those teeth chilton's mouth and, yeah, and, um, yeah, there are just so many mouths. And in episode 10, the next one, there's there's even more. Uh, what does this say? I'm trying to read my own notes. Uh, oh, yeah, and just one last little thing that was great. When it's, like, the flashback to um, the end of season two, and Hannibal picks up the phone when he's cooking, and Will on the other line says, uh, they know. I was like, that's what Hannibal said yeah. to Hobbes in the first episode. It's so good. <laughs> I love that. Um, but episode 10 is full of mouths. Because um, 9 ends with the first conversation between Dollar Hyde and Hannibal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the beginning of episode 10 picks back up and recaps it, but from Dollar Hyde's perspective. Mm -hmm. And the conversation is slightly different, which is confusing. It's definitely the same conversation, but, like, more is said. Yeah. It's weird. But uh, Hannibal quotes um, a poem by William Blake, which is interesting. Um, so the painting, the, the Great Red Dragon mm -hmm. painting that he's obsessed with was painted by William Blake. Yeah. And Blake also wrote... This uh, the tiger, um, tiger, tiger burning bright in the forest of the night is is famous, uh, but he says the line um, like, "Did the god that made the lamb make thee?" or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I did a little research into this poem, and it's 
so appropriate and it it's so informative uh <laughs> so he wrote this these two collections on songs of innocence and songs of experience as counterpoints to each other um one there and it's sort of the concept is the duality and the dual nature of man mm -hmm. the lamb versus the tiger that whole thing which yeah. is just what this episode is all about um, and the tiger is the, the counterpart to the lamb in the first um, in the first collection. And so there, these two concepts are really played against each other a lot here. Um, like Bedelia talking about like the options that you have when you see a pathetic thing. Like you can either protect it and nurture it or you can crush it. Mm -hmm. And she advises Will the next time that he sees something pathetic consider crushing it instead yeah um <laughs> which is great uh I, I remember, but more mouths we've got I remember, I remember um when you were telling me about the third season you said how bedelia becomes the villain and so i was sort of expecting that but she's not the type of villain mm -hmm. you expect at all she's no she's very removed at least in the, se the second half she's very removed and she's sort of just like showing her true colors for the first time in her conversations with she's Will. wearing a yeah she's almost wearing a person suit as much as hannibal is like it's weird how i mean that she, that's the only kind of person that could ever be the psychiatrist to hannibal lecter like she's she's she knows what's going well, on and when, when you see her her kill her her uh other patient in that flashback her patient yes um you you because before you were sort of sympathetic you're like oh she was sort of twisted a little bit by Hannibal as was the other patient. Yeah, and he like, like manipulated no, it her was and her. her. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. I mean, and the weird thing is she didn't even know she was doing it. Like she had this weird dissociative event where she was murdering him and didn't know yeah. she was doing it. Mhm. Mm Cuz like, you know, the way that the scene goes down from her perspective is that he starts choking and then she reaches into her, his mouth and then oh no, my hand is going down his throat. But like she was doing that the whole time. Yeah. She just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. He wasn't choking. She was shoving yeah. her fist down his throat. Down Zachary Quinto's throat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but lots of mouths in this episode. We've mm -hmm. got Bedelia talking about the mouth of hell uh, in her lecture that she's giving. Um, talking about how she was, you know, she's comparing like Hannibal to the mouth of hell and swallowing her and all of that stuff. Um, Dollarhide, like, loses his mind when Reba, like, touches the sleeping tiger's mouth. Mm hmm Um, and that's an interesting metaphorical moment. Like, it's sort of his testing the waters where th this tiger sort of is him, and she's he's seeing, like, how she reacts to it. Mm -hmm. It's very fascinating, the sort of subtext that's going on in there. And so she, like, touches this tiger's teeth, and nothing bad happens, and she's okay with it, and he's like... Oh my god. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we've got a great close-up of Hannibal licking an envelope. Very <laughs> mouthy. Uh, and then, of course, um, yeah, this is the same episode where she, you know, shoves her fist down Zachary Quinto's throat. Um, and this is the episode where Dollar Hyde eats the painting. Oh, that was, like, um, amazing and also, yeah, really sad. Cause it's, like... it's like, no, don't. Please don't. <laughs> Oh God, uh, that's not good for you. <laughs> yeah, also not good for paintings. <laughs> but lots of gay stuff in this episode too. Um, this is more talk about um, 
Bluebeard's wife, and uh, Bedelia says to Will, we've both been his bride. Uh, And she says, you know, if I was to be Blackbeard's wife, I would have preferred to be the last, um, implying that it is Will Graham who is the final bride of Bluebeard. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, she, she refers to Hannibal as an old flame and talks about how intimately the two of them know each other, and it's just real gay. So, <laughs> there's that. Um, episode 11 is, I, I believe, sort of about um, Will's becoming versus Dollar Hyde's becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of what's going on. I'm trying to remember what the events are in that episode. Um I know at one point I've written down that Hannibal quotes Faust, which is great. Um, uh, Two souls, alas, are dwelling in my breast. Um, and more of that sort of tiger versus lamb thing yeah. is happening there. Um, so that's where Dollarhide um, poisons the dogs. Um, oh, doggies. That's, isn't that, yeah, that's the one where he attacks them. Oh, Molly yeah. Well, and, yeah, that's yeah. where he attacks Molly. Yeah, and um, that's, I mean... Hannibal is really pushing very hard for Will's becoming, and that's why he wants Dollarhide to kill um, Molly and Wally. It's so funny their names rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's when they they have um, Hannibal call up Dollarhide, and and they re- they like try to track him. Yeah, they're tracing and him. That's, that's also where Hannibal says they're listening. Or, or, or he Hannibal, you stinker. <laughs> Which I almost, I almost see his actions there less so on anybody's side and more of just on the side of chaos in that, in that instance, where he's like, he doesn't care about Dollarhide. Oh no, he doesn't care. I mean, he's using him. Dollarhide yeah. oh, is yeah. very useful to him. Mm-hmm. But it, it's almost like you almost wonder, how, like. On what level is he using him? Because Dollarhide is sort of using Hannibal as a way to prove himself. Yes. He's he's Um, validation for him. Yeah, but then Hannibal's, like, playing into that, but he's also, like, totally in competition. Yeah, that's an interesting tension going on between Dollarhide and... And I think that Hannibal is more comfortable with Dollarhide's uh, infamy when he is pulling strings well yeah and also like he's the one that's like you need to go after will graham yeah no yeah i mean he's this this is hannibal trying to make will graham stop having a family like he is encouraging will's becoming and he's even saying like you can't go back to them you can't you can't have that you know you can't have that uh, mm-hmm. you know he he and and will is experiencing and denying his becoming uh it's a very interesting thing yeah. that's playing out there um and that's and you know that will graham is caught between the tiger and the lamb uh, which is great. Um, and also, like, this is where you sort of see how uh, Hannibal can pull all the strings from a seemingly unpowerful position and without doing, yeah. very, with doing very little because he has yeah, so much well, control and, over everybody. 
Yeah, Will Graham specifically says when he's talking to Bedelia, um, Hannibal has agency in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's trying to warn Bedelia, like, he could come after you. Bedelia's like, nah, because if he's going to kill me, he wants to eat me, and he can't eat me now, so I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Uh, and that's why she freaks out so much when Will's like, we're going to do a thing and let Hannibal out. She's like, no, don't. <laughs> don't let him out. Um, episode 12 is the Chilton events. Uh, one Another thing, I don't know why I didn't notice it before. Okay, when he wakes up and he's blindfolded and gagged uh-huh. um, at Dollar Hyde's house, this is the craziest thing. I don't understand this choice. The blindfold that Dollar Hyde has put on Chilton is a panty liner. You're he right. Stuck it to his it's, eyes. Yeah, with like some sort of adhesive. Well, they have it. Oh, they do. Okay, I, I, I don't have any experience with that. <laughs> as, so. as a menstruating person, yeah. No, that was a panty liner that he just stuck to his. Yeah, yeah. That face. was. Little, and like. Where they did. I, did Reba leave it at his house? Either like, that, what? or like, there's some really un un um uninvestigated undertone somewhere. Very weird choice. Like fascinating and weird and subtle and completely unexplained. It's completely unexplained, and it almost felt like like there's some sort of um within Dollar Hide some sort of issues with femininity. I mean. It's, yeah, he's got obviously really, he's got issues, but like <laughs> real there's, gender there's, confusion. There's something that yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and, and I don't remember if that's also it might have been the episode before or after with um, him pretending to have Reba shoot him. Um, well, you know, he 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 pretended he shot himself. Oh, right, 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 right. And that was like, and so, that is so. Like, that's the that's the final episode okay, where he yeah, does that. Right. Okay. Because that was just like so trippy, the way they did that. Yeah. Um. And then episode twelve, um, second to last episode, is where the beautiful and perfect line "Is Hannibal in love with me?" is uttered. Uh, that conversation between <laughs> Will and Bedelia is very good. <laughs> no way she lays it out. Mm-hmm. It's like, duh. Duh. Now what are you going to do about it? Uh, I don't know. I think I still want to murder him, but maybe I want to murder with him. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think Will even knows what he's doing at that point? Like, do you think he's being honest with himself? Because, like, his plan is to have Dollar Hyde kill Hannibal. But is it really? It is Does not. Does he really it's think that's going to happen? not at all. And I don't... I think he is the biggest mystery throughout the whole series. Because, like... Yeah. When he thinks he's a murderer... He goes all in. But then when he's, like, sort of absolved in a way, he, like, he has a huge crisis of who he is, of identity. Yeah, he but like, he's fighting that tiger so hard. Yeah, it's... I don't... I... It's really... He, that's why we need more. Yes. We need to know his what happens after his final becoming well because we know how we know how hannibal feels about him that's blatant we know how other people feel about their relationship we don't know how will feels because will doesn't know how will feels i think that's what i think he's just fooling himself 
all the time. Like, he's got these weird mixed ulterior motives that are always swirling around in his head, and he's, like, just deluded, but still, like, acting them out. It's really weird. Um, but in the final episode, um, so that starts mostly, it starts with the whole, like, Dollar Hyde has abducted Reba thing. Mm-hmm. And um, takes her to his house, and there's this interesting reversal of the Bluebeard story mm-hmm. in that, where he's like, hey, here's a key, go lock the door, don't go... Like, it's this interesting, like, real Bluebeard moment. Yeah. Because um, in the story of Bluebeard, he, like, gives his wife all the keys, and is like, don't go in that door, even though you have the keys. And so he's like, hey, I'm gonna give you this opportunity to go through this door that I told you not to go through, and mm-hmm. then she does. Um, but she... She doesn't. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting because yeah, then he fakes his death, which is so like you you know he's not dead, but like it was so <laughs> he can't conv- be dead. It was so convincing because we're seeing it was because we're, we're we're experiencing it through her experience of it. Yeah, I mean it was a great way to do it. Like it was a pretty genius plan and such a good idea because then you've got your victim's guards down and he can go and do his thing um it doesn't work out for him (laughs) but it was a good way to get there um there was also a great rumpelstiltskin reference um when hannibal tells alana that like like basically she's living on borrowed time like you you died that day in my kitchen everything else is borrowed time your wife and child belong to me i but i you you wagered will's life and i spun gold for you like, he's like, don't you think that any of this belongs to you? It's only through my grace that any of this has been allowed to occur. And that's <laughs> such a such a gorgeous threat. And she's the only one that really takes him seriously at this point. Like She knows everything she runs away. Of. She runs away. Yeah, so I'm getting out. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's great. Um, And that's the... That's the episode where Alana talks to Chilton and tells him that he was never comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. And um, right there before Dollarhide attacks, um, when Will and Hannibal are at Hannibal's cliff house, because he has a cliff <laughs> house, uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, how many houses does Hannibal have? He uh, he quotes John fifteen thirteen when he says something. No greater love hath a man than to give his life for a friend. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, Hannibal, Hannibal, Hannibal. You. <laughs> <laughs> I love though in that scene how many times when Dollar High you know shoots him and comes in and is like totally gonna kill Hannibal and like Will is just standing there still drinking his glass of wine and like <laughs> Hannibal's still just like trying to talk. Dollar hide through it, mm-hmm. like, oh, yep, you're a big, strong guy. Wow, everything you're doing is really great. And he just keeps looking over at Will, like, come on, <laughs> are you gonna do anything? And Will's like, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just keeps looking over at him, like, anytime, dude. <laughs> well, because Will is still really confused. Um, so confused, that boy. Because, like, he wants Hannibal dead, but he doesn't really want him dead. He's projecting himself onto, like, he's, he wants himself to, he believes that he is not worthy, and so he believes that Hannibal is not worthy, and in order to be happy, he has to let go of both of those things and say, like, we are who we are. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. whether or not that's what he 
should do is the question. I don't know. I don't know if it is the question. Like it's it's sort of irrelevant. It's it's the question is how can Will be at peace, and how he yeah. can be at peace is murdering Francis Dollarhide in tandem with Hannibal in a beautiful display of blood. Is <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, mm-hmm. and that's what Will said. It's beautiful. And then they fall off a cliff together, embracing. <laughs> and then, like, beautiful thing. It, it the the sort of after credit sequence isn't with them, but it's it feels very like Dark Knight Rises, and you know. Yeah. Well, I I think it's pretty clear that they are both there. Oh, for sure. Either that, or she's so far off the deep end that she's well, done it to herself. I- but she, but she would only do that to herself if she was trying to survive them. I'm going to talk you through it. Okay. And why I'm certain that okay. they're there. Mm-hmm. Firstly, so we, we cut to Bedelia's dining table. She's sitting at one end, dressed up beautifully, I must say. Gillian Shaking. Anderson. Mm. <laughs> but she, uh, she seems to be waking up like she's been drugged. She's very mm-hmm. disoriented. Her eyes are kind of fluttering like... She's been sedated, and she looks around, and she she sees the food on the table. Mm -hmm. Now, there are at least two more place settings at this table. Mm -hmm. Clue number one. I mean, I guess clue number two. (laughs) Clue number one is she's, like, sedated. She's out of it. She's not in her right mind. Mm -hmm. We, We see that there are multiple place settings, and then she takes the fork off the plate and puts it in her lap. Mm-hmm. She wants to defend herself. Someone oh. else is there. Okay. And then we pan down and see that um, her legs missing. She missing a leg. Okay. See, <laughs> Frankly, I'll... how could she have cooked that with the missing leg? Like that's true. Good point. <laughs> she's in a bad way. Yeah. I think I, <laughs> I think... thought the idea was interesting if she had done it herself, I but think... I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's likely. Yeah, I think the reason I thought that is because her face is so convinced. And, and so, like, ready to fight that she looks like she may have, like, done it on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's just ready. She's yes. seen this. She's she's known this moment has yeah. been coming yep. for a long time. Yeah. She didn't know when it was going to happen, but she knew that well, it was in her future. And in the final few episodes, like, Will sees her 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 villainy and her her true self. Yeah. Her Whereas before, we, we sort of Human see her, suit comes Yeah, off before she was a victim. Suit. But she's, she's, uh, uh, I mean, we see it sort of in the beginning of season three, where we see her sort of less of a victim and more of an accomplice. Yeah, and she's sort of profiting off of that experience. Yes. Um, but this is when we see that she's been an accomplice all along. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, she's I, a fascinating character. Oh, yeah. And, like, I won't say she doesn't deserve it, but, like. I don't know. Uh, who deserves any... What does that deserve mean anymore? What does anyone deserve? This show is so morally complicated. I I hope that in any continuance that she's not gone completely. They, they have to pick up right there, don't they? they? I hope. Or like... <laughs> Or like, if the, if they if she is gone, if they've gone ahead further, then like, there needs to be some sort of shadow of her because this show's famous for flashbacks. 
Exactly. We had a thousand of them in season three. <laughs> thousand of them. The first part of season three was literally entirely flashbacks. The first yeah, episode was just, like, was weird just the second season. Flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. I gotta say, man, Hannibal on that motorcycle. <laughs> <sighs> it was good. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, bottom line is they're beautiful murder husbands through and through. And I hope that Will Graham knows that now for real. Well, I hope that like they don't skirt around it anymore because it's been fun in games to this point of like dancing around it. And like, and they... it's, it's fair that these two people would experience falling in love in a very different way than other people. Yeah. And also like, um, one thing that they didn't touch on is how love can be um, non-sexual. Um, sure. I mean, like, sure, Actually, the, the show is so sexual in, like, it's, every it's very, way. Well, it's very sensual. Yeah. Um, but, like, I hope if they do sort of explore more of their relationship, they either take it all the way to sexual also, or they're like, hey, it can be complicated and non-sexual but also romantic, you know? Yeah, it's it's real love. And I, I found this interesting article from NPR mm -hmm. talking about their relationship, and I don't buy into it fully, if only because Brian Fuller has explicitly said that they are in love with each other. It's not just that there is love between them. They are in love, that specific wording. But um, this article sort of talks about um, agapic love, which is mm -hmm. sort of like godly love, which I feel is very appropriate. This yeah. concept of like um, Will being man, being remade, not in God's image, but in Lucifer's image. And yeah. sort of uh, Hannibal being this god slash devil um, and feeling this all-consuming agapic love for Will Graham. And I think that that is appropriate and maybe true, but not all of it because yeah. i mean when it comes mm -hmm. down to it will graham and hannibal are still human beings like <laughs> hannibal may be very much like the devil but he's not actually the devil well and, and even though will like for many most of the show sort of sees hannibal as this antler demon yeah like, the 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 wendigo yeah even though even though that's there like there it's it's working on multiple levels like sure there's that sort of creator, creation, love, and obsession. And, but that and only season three, there's a lot of talk of, like, yeah. is Hannibal God? Yeah. And, but, but that only feeds into the, um, the romantic love. So it's like, it starts off as obsession, and that only makes their relationship more complicated and, like, just, like tumultuous yeah yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah um it also sort of talks about the the ways in which the both of them are associated with feminized traits yeah the way that um hannibal is a little bit more obvious you know mm -hmm. he's got the very you know cultured taste which is is often viewed as a feminine thing and he's yeah. soft-spoken and polite and 
European, <laughs> um, and from an American perspective, that's a very feminine thing. Mm -hmm. um, Will Graham is outwardly much more of sort of a rugged type. You know, he's the, you know, New England boat mechanic. <laughs> so, you know, he, he's, he's masculine with his flannels and his boots, but he is defined by his pathology, which is an excess of empathy. Yeah. Which is another very feminized trait. He's also he very... feels... Very tender. He's tender and he feels everything all the time and he feels what you feel and he knows what you feel. He's too empathetic. Um, so it, it's, it's an interesting subversion of the usual sort of television bromance. Yeah. Which is often, you know, this hyper-masculine sort of like... We're both men, but we just do care about each other a lot. And we it's appreciate like, no. the manliness of each other. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no. These are these are feminized men who love each other. And, I they, think also, and it's hard. <laughs> when you sort of separate those qualities in them, you sort of see how they almost need each other to become one complete person. Because Hannibal yeah. lacks empathy. Yes. Um, and and Will is entirely empathy. So they're they're sort of drawn to each other and obsessed and in love because they need each other to exist. Yeah, no, there's that great bit in the first half. See, th there are some moments in the f first half of season three that I really love. The conversation um, between Hannibal and Will in the gallery yeah. where um, they talk about being conjoined. Mm -hmm. And Will says... Uh, can either of us survive the separation? Yeah. Ooh, goosebumps. I love it. Like, <laughs> that, the oh, first that half scene of, is of so season beautiful. Three, that, that first half is very difficult to watch and um, process, but it's very necessary for the whole experience of the show. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I read this, I, I read this blog post on some, some horror fiction blog you know the horror media blog yeah. um say and they were very dissatisfied with season three saying how mm -hmm. it was very boring to them um and they were they were saying how like nothing scary happens in this season and i was like well the other seasons are scary yeah <laughs> yeah it's like you're looking for it to be a different thing than it is like i don't Hannibal think it was turn ever somebody inside out <laughs> And yeah. turns him into, yeah, like, no, an egg. Of, like, how is that a, not horrifying? Of, yeah, there's a lot of grodies. No, he turns him into a heart. Oh, that's right, a yeah. Heart, but like A in... valentine for Will Graham. <laughs> the most beautiful and gayest thing <laughs> And it's like, like it's like... Beautiful, it's horrific like valentine. So gross to look at, but also, yeah, very intriguing. Oh, and then and then Will's say, murder the of that one that groundskeeper guy was also beautiful. With the, the firefly? Yes, that was Ooh. beautiful. Yeah. And, um, or Dragonfly or whatever it is. But yeah. that scene, I gotta say, the one thing in this series that really horrified me. Like, everything else, I was like, oh, no, yucky, wow, how horrifying and beautiful. The, the hallucination that Will Graham has when the heart unfolds itself yeah. <laughs> and walks around, that <laughs> got me. Oh, yeah. again, that oh first, I don't know. That there was something about the, the way it moved. It was so real wrong. Visually intense. It's so intense. It's. <laughs> uh, 
I think I was going to say something about it, <laughs> but I've just gotten sidetracked by that horrible thing. It's the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, yeah, um... Okay, yeah, what I was saying was, because this person, I, I believe that, because I don't think Hannibal was ever a horror series. Like, I get that yeah, confusion. No, it's, it's it looks like a horror series. It's, yeah, and, and it ends up being sort of a, just sort of a psychological drama. Um, mm -hmm. It, I mean, because Hannibal's not a monster in the sense of a horror film. He's, he's somebody to, to, to sympathize with and care about and be intrigued by you don't want him to be beaten like you want him to get what he wants <laughs> it's not he's not just a movie monster uh, and and so I, I don't think it was ever a horror and so i mean it definitely shifted more away from the sort of gruesomeness of especially season one yeah um, that's when all the fun, exciting murders happened, but <laughs> it, it, it was a slow sort of transition away from that and into the psychological drama. Oh yeah, season two uh, is entirely psychological. And season three, it's like metaphysical. <laughs> I don't yeah, even know. Right? Like, it's so, it's so like philosophical and, and also like, yeah. I don't know, like the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey almost. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's not a bad horror show because it's not a horror show. Yeah. It's just, I, 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 there's a similar sort of thing that happened with um, uh, Crimson Peak, Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. Like, a lot of people were let down by it because people thought it was a horror film, and it's not. <laughs> it's a gothic romance. And so I, I think that's where a lot of the dissatisfaction comes from. People are like, it's just people sitting around a table talking about nothing. And it's like, well, um... If you think they're talking about nothing, it's just going over your head, buddy. Like, they're talking about a lot. They're just talking about it in a way that real humans don't talk. <laughs> right. It's, it's very unnatural and very, uh, like, very, uh, like somebody writing it's, a book, it's, but not, like, natural speech. It's highly dramatized. It's yeah. it's very, uh, yeah, yeah. I, it's almost I, Shakespearean. For I would word. say Shakespearean, a modern Shakespearean sort of. Where yeah, it's like well, every, I mean, there's a lot everything of Everything that's really hard to. Exactly. And Shakespeare is chock full of references. Yeah. And, and you know, he, I mean, there's just quoting of Faust and, you know, Blake yeah. and all of this stuff. Like, I, I think that if people were confused. I mean, it's fair. Like, I can't expect everyone to. Oh, especially on first watch. Familiar. Yeah, yeah, to, to, to pick up on everything, to be in a position to to understand those references. Like, I don't want to be elitist and say, like, well, you just didn't understand. But, like, <laughs> it's okay. Like, if you didn't, yeah. like, that's fair. But these things are in there, and, and Brian Fuller was doing a thing. And, well, and I think, and it, thing with, I think like, it works. The, the thing with the Shakespeare comparison is, like, it's so dense, just like Shakespeare, but we never really quote Shakespeare. Which is so nice. <laughs> oh, you mean that Hannibal doesn't? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that is there, interesting. There are bound to be one or two, but that's like, but like, yeah, you know, they don't, he, they don't go got, full, you know. Yeah. He's got more obscure references to make. <laughs> right. Like, <sighs> he, he'd, he'd rather quote Faust. But, right. um, golly. Yeah, so I, 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 I uh, yeah, I think dissatisfaction comes from 
having the wrong expectations of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I thought when I was done with the first half of the third season, I thought I might end up dissatisfied. But that second half really, like, they're so different that they work together really well. Just like Will and, and Hannibal. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I think that, that it really sets it up. Like, w- there, there is, we have to get to a place before we can do the second thing. <laughs> well, and it, it almost like works that... perfectly because the first half is like, we're, we're deeply in Will's head, and he is somewhat in control of that whole half of the season. Like, he's trapping Hannibal, he's um, figuring things out, whereas the second half, like, he thought he was okay, and then Hannibal starts pulling strings. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think I think that Hannibal was just waiting for Will to show up. Like, wh- why else would he make that Valentine? Like, he knew Will was there. He wanted oh. him there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was He was just sitting there like, when you gonna show up? boyfriend you know <laughs> just just hanging out with Bedelia wait for Will like, oh. what took you <laughs> I love friggin Hannibal and Bedelia murder spouses like <laughs> I love all her, of that biz I am like her performance when she's like cause she's like trapped but she's not like no she's trapped um <laughs> she she yeah she's she's trapped but like she she knows what to expect from Hannibal and she knows how to deal with him. Yeah, but her performance is like on one level you're like, "Uh, what is she doing?" and the other level you're like, "She is so stuck there and I totally understand why she makes all these decisions." She she, has, she can't go anywhere and she knows it. So she's just holding on. Like well, she's, she's just so smart there too, for the ride. Where she goes to that that butcher or that 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 shop every yeah. time and orders the same thing. That's her laying breadcrumbs. I think you're right. Because uh... she's like, because that's how they find them. Mm-hmm. That's how Alana found him. She knew. Yeah. And, and that's and also Bedelia how, knew that's also that how the season starts. Is her, her going to that shop. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. How that, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Bedelia is fascinating and complicated and difficult to understand, but Jillian Anderson just, really kills it she pulls off that femme fatale thing really well doesn't she yeah and at, at certain points um before the finale you sort of feel like maybe she's a little too like even keeled and always talking like this and never like oh, yes. going she above she never below. changes the cadence of her voice she just but then, speaks to you when, once you see her crack then you're like holy cow <laughs> yeah, she's wearing a person suit, just like Hannibal. Just like Hannibal. It's mm, it's such a good show. A, I'm just I'm so amazed that every time I watch it, I find new things to think about, new details to notice. It's and so dense. I would if if I were recommending the show, there are some parts that are hard to watch. Um, but there's never really, uh, well, there are a couple jump scares, but that's mainly in Will's visions of this sort of, at least in the first season where he sort of sees the, the stag. Um, yeah. that's really the, the only Raven jump stag. scary part. Yeah. Um, and then as far yeah, as it's like mostly gr- just like psychologically upsetting. Yeah. And then the gore, 
Um, there's really only one or two that really get you. Um, I mean, it depends on your stomach. Like, there's the bee yeah. man, and there's the <laughs> oh, the bee man. <laughs> the an- the angels are a little like- tough. Yeah, those are yucky. With and yeah, flayed, I mean, it just really wings. depends on on your stomach, because like these, for the most part, none of them actually upset me like i see him and i'm like oh no gruesome but like these kinds of things just don't really bother me mm-hmm. personally but like i know people who like wouldn't be able to watch the show at all yeah I, I i can't deal with a lot of body horror i did get through the first season and after that it's really not too bad like the the heart no is it's downhill and um but there's some really cool <laughs> stuff too like the the guy who makes like the animal suit yeah, I thought the that cave was really, bear guy. That was really cool, and I yeah. liked him too. And he, is he still alive? I forget how that episode ends. That episode ends. No, uh, Will killed him. Oh, that's right. And 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 Hannibal was yeah. peeved. <laughs> no, he was pleased. He wanted he was? that. Okay. He he sent the guy to Will's house so Will oh, would right, kill right, him. Right, right. Oh, and no, it's right, Jack right, that's right. mad. He's like, yeah, self defense only goes so far. Will you like really butchered this guy? <laughs> Well, and, like, that episode made made it seem like Hannibal would be pleased no matter who won the day because he still has a pony (laughs) chain. Just like, what's gonna happen? But, but... Set up my toys and watch him go. Yeah, exactly. But I think he knew Will would win. He believed that. Because the other guy was the beast on the outside, Will's the beast on the inside. (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Which is, like, the last episode is what? It's called, like... The Lamb. The Wrath of the Lamb. Uh, the Wrath of the Lamb, which is yeah. Will. Yeah, Will's the Lamb, and it's and he's a big mean lamb. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, one final thought. What's your favorite murder tableau? Sorry, what? Which murder tableau was your favorite? Oh, of the, like, gruesome murders? Yeah, like, I mean, that's what they called them in, ma- in okay. making the show. And I think they <sighs> used the terminology at some point in the show. Like, the, the, me, the um, little scenes, up, like, you know? The... The... I don't know. I I thought the angel one was really vivid in terms of, like, gruesome, horrible murder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also, okay, honestly, so there was... I, I, I really loved um, the Tooth Fairy. Yeah, and his like his 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 um mirror shards was, on the... was was kind of cool and also the teeth thing was really interesting and the painting thing was really interesting and also the yeah. actor did an amazing job. Um I thought that was probably my favorite honestly. And sure he gets more really? murders, but like Yeah. But like he doesn't really have any tableaus the way that the other murderers have. Yeah, I kind of. Like cuz cuz we've got like the beginning with the girl on the stag head and um, we've got, like, the bee man and the angels and the tree Oh, the man. cello one was gross. The the, che- the human cello. <laughs> That's a good one. You, we've got, they called the turducken, which was the bird inside a woman inside a horse. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So terrible. So, so terrible. I think I liked the tree that Hannibal made. That one was really cool. It was just really, I mean, like, obviously it's sick and twisted, but it was really beautiful. 
and mm-hmm. thematically fascinating because that's when he decided he needed to use Alana. And so it was a play on her name of Bloom. Mm-hmm. Using the like flowers in place of the internal organs and making him into a tree. I liked yeah. that a lot. Also, it was beautiful, and, like, he puts it in the middle of a parking lot. In a parking <laughs> lot. How'd you even do that, Hannibal? And then they bring, it into that? The, they bring it into the lab. <laughs> well, what are you gonna do? Like, I know, but they, they didn't even, like, it cut in? it up. Like, how did they, how'd they get it in the door? It's the FBI. They figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that one was... His, his sort of, like, recreated murders of the other... Like, his sort of visions of... Um, the other murders were, were really cool. He he always mm-hmm. one-upped one everybody. Yeah, he's Hannibal. He's very competitive. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to be the best. <laughs> that does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to us on YouTube if you absolutely love us, and like the video if you like us. Also, follow us on Twitter at LitMeritPod. And thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album, Artificial Heart. Until next time, remember, no No guilty guilty pleasures. pleasures.